0: hi welcome to the nonprofit mastermind podcast where every week i do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching scaling and leading a high impact nonprofit i'm your host rick ritchie babbage working to make the world a more just and beautiful place is messy complex heart-wrenching and ultimately deeply joyful and fulfilling work and none of us can do it alone that's why i started this podcast this mastermind community to hold space for and share the learnings and the questions and the grapplings and the actual concrete strategies that allow us to move our social impact work forward together. So welcome to the mastermind. I'm so glad you're here. So I'm really excited to be welcoming a guest onto the show for the first time in quite some time. I'm going to be having more guests in the coming months to talk about really present and exciting topics. And I'm excited to kick that off in this episode with my good friend, Cindy Wagman. We are going to be talking about something that's really top of mind for a lot of the nonprofit executives that I work with, and that is fundraising capacity. What do you do when you actually need someone on your team with fundraising skill and expertise and you don't actually have the budget to hire a full-time development director? Well, Cindy and I are going to break that down today in a great conversation about agencies and fractional fundraising and everything in between. Cindy Wagman is the president and founder of The Good Partnership, It's a values-driven, social justice-informed consultancy that's the home of the fractional fundraising movement, which connects small nonprofits and the fractional fundraisers that serve them. Cindy has been a certified fundraising executive since 2009, and she got her MBA at the University of Toronto in 2013. She is a real powerhouse in our sector. She has presented online and around the world on stages and pages from We Are For Good to Fundraising Everywhere. She's the host of the top-rated The Small Nonprofit Podcast and the best-selling author of Raise It, The Reluctant Fundraiser's Guide to Raising Money Without Selling Your Soul. Most recently, in 2022, Cindy started coaching other nonprofit-serving consultants to help them build impactful and profitable businesses, and she's the co-host of the Confessions with Jess and Cindy podcast, serving that audience, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. So. Listen in, grab a notebook if you are leading a nonprofit and are trying to figure out how to staff up your development shop. This is going to be a great episode for you. Hi, Cindy. How are you? I'm good. So happy to be here. Well, this is a great conversation for us to be having. We are going to talk today about how small and growing nonprofits can build out their fundraising team as they grow, but before they're ready for a full-time development hire. This is, as you know, a huge issue for folks that you need real expert development support before you can pay the, I don't know, six figures (laughs) for a development director. So I'm really excited to talk about that. I think it's really top of mind for folks, but I'd actually love to start with you. You and I have both been involved with this work for many years, and Mm -hmm. I'm always curious about how people find their way into this work. So, what is your origin story? How did you yeah. get to this moment in in our in our shared journeys?
1: hmm So it's actually like we can rewind almost twenty three years, maybe twenty three years exactly yeah. um, <laughs> where I was a little lost in terms of like what I wanted to do in my in, with my life. Um, I was in university, and uh when some were actually. I met two people just by happenstance who were professional fundraisers and the light bulb went off for me. I've always been interested in the nonprofit sector. I volunteered in high school. Um, I've always, it's it's always just felt like my DNA. My favorite part of my undergrad school was, you know, chairing the Women's Empowerment Committee and doing these other activities. Me too. I was one of
0: those (laughs) kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was like, when I knew when I discovered that you could actually do that as a career, I was like, "What? That's awesome." So, um, like from that moment, I started preparing myself to become a fundraiser when I graduated. And I even wrote a thesis in my undergrad on feminist fundraising.
0: So wow, uh, yeah, it's so like you got bitten hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for a long time.
0: I love that. And, I know that you have played lots of different roles in mm-hmm. fundraising and that that's really gotten you to the point where I think you have real insight into the different ways fundraising can sort of show up it isn't yeah. just one thing to be a fundraiser mm-hmm. um so yeah. I want to talk just a little bit about what some of the different ways that you have experienced fundraising mm-hmm. have been
1: yeah so what i would say is fundraising is one of those like significantly misunderstood roles in nonprofit. Agreed. Yes. Like I can't tell you how many times I've introduced myself and people say, oh, so you plan events. Um which I mean I have planned events, but that's actually a very mm-hmm. small fraction of what I've done. Um or they like run and hide because they think you're gonna just ask them for money the whole time
0: every single second uh, of every single yeah, day <laughs>
1: yeah so a lot of people don't understand fundraising but it like i and i do have i have a full spectrum of fundraising experience so fundraising is sort of what typically our sector would call annual appeal stuff so um direct mail direct email where you're just asking people uh who are on your list to make a donation whether by check or online or what have you um there's, There are some events. There's the big gala type events, but also a lot of small relationship building events. Then there's major gift asking, which is very much uh, relationship-based. There's grant writing, cause marketing, corporate partnerships, corporate sponsorships. Um, there's lots of different ways that organizations can fundraise. But the other big misunderstood thing about it is uh, foundational to that, the part that we don't see sort of below the surface, if you're looking at an iceberg, you know, the stuff that we don't, we don't always see is the systems, the stewardship.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And that's actually like a significant amount of what fundraising work is. It's You know, making sure that you're keeping records, that gifts are processed, that you're continuing those relationships. Um, I often say fundraising is like matchmaking. Um, You don't propose on the first date. And so you build up a relationship. You make sure there's a fit. You find that love. um, And so that takes a lot of time and
0: work. So I think what I'm hearing or one of the things I'm hearing is that As I grow my organization and I think about expanding our fundraising capacity, A, it's not just events and campaigns. It's not just hiring somebody to come in and run our events and campaigns Mm -hmm. and that it's actually deeper and more about this stuff beneath the water at the sort of base of the iceberg, which is strategy, which is design, which is systems. Yeah. That sounds amazing to me. and putting on the hat of my, you know, growth stage nonprofit with a small but growing budget. It also sounds like the kind of thing of, I would think a full-time development director would have expertise in and be able to do. So if I can't hire one of those magical unicorns, what are my options if I want that level of expertise and strategy?
1: Yeah. So there, so what I would say, something that has always before I directly answer your question, something that's always bothered me about our sector is that I feel like we teach large size fits all fundraising.
0: And so totally or everything. I mean, people yes. who want to understand how to grow their staff, their board, their fundraising and their systems look at like charity water. Yeah. <laughs> the <united> oh, way.
1: <laughs> it literally makes my blood boil. Like, no, I know
0: we, we create so much angst. I mean, leaders feel so yeah. bad about what they're doing.
1: Yes. And the FOMO is real and it just it's makes real. it like failures. Yes. So for me, the biggest thing is like small organizations don't need to do it all. And that's where the strategic piece comes in. So yeah. I do see a lot of small organizations when they're getting ready, kind of like to preface your question, they're getting ready to hire help, but they don't have a big budget. They'll go for that junior fundraiser. And you're mm-hmm. literally throwing this little lamb into a wolf den, Like... <laughs> You're putting them in an environment where no one around them knows how to fundraise. And so they don't have the mentorship and support to be successful and they get pulled down too many different tracks and it becomes, it actually ends up setting the organization further back because they get very um, risk averse. If it doesn't work out the first time they invest in this, they're less likely to invest in the future. So when There is a unique sort of need that small and growing organizations have when it comes to hiring, which is you want someone with the expertise, unless you, as an executive director, have experience fundraising. Right. And so the options until recently haven't been great. It's kind of like you can outsource a little bit. So I've seen organizations where you'll hire like a a fundraising firm, like an agency, and they're going to manage your appeals so they're gonna write mm-hmm. your, your letters and manage the mailing or it's still it's you. very
0: tactical it's like they will execute on one yeah. thing that you yeah. tell them to execute on
1: yeah and they're doing yeah. like you can hire them to do the stewardship and relationship yeah. like some of that yeah. stuff but it's very much um contained in-hmm I was going to say in a container, but that's yeah. a container in a container. Yeah. But it's, there's firm boundaries around what yeah. they do. And they're very much experts, right? They're subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. They're the best people to go to. I mean, you can find an event specialist to do this. You can find a, a direct appeal specialist. You can find a corporate I've seen specialist. folks do that
0: with corporate and monthly donors, like building out mm-hmm. an actual effective monthly yeah. donor campaign. I've seen people hire agencies for yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but and so you can sort of like piece out different parts of your fundraising to experts, and that can definitely work. One thing I've I actually have experience doing, and I don't do it anymore, is uh, coaching. So I've coached mm-hmm. executive directors, and I stopped because I found that they didn't actually do any of the work that we had talked about in our coaching. Yeah. Um, For a number of reasons, some of it's mindset, some of it's time, and which actually my experiences in that led me to um, start offering what I now call fractional fundraising. Um, And so that's, I think, like a, if this is Goldilocks, like a really nice, perfect fit solution for those organizations,
0: So that's what I've been really excited to talk to you about. I mean, it's all super interesting and especially sort of thinking about what the right fit is given. And you talked about this as an executive director, what your zone of genius is. Mm. right? So if you are good at the fundraising strategy piece and you need executors, you know, an agency, you know, or if you have people that you think could execute, but the mindset piece and the strategy pieces in there may be a coach. What I love about fractional fundraising, and I'm seeing fractional work pop up Mm -hmm. just in every aspect, is it's such a strategic framework or approach to getting actual expertise on your team. So, so let's let's dive in there yeah start with defining fractional because you yeah. and i talk we use that phrase all the time i use yeah. that with some of the eds that i work with and i can see their eyes glaze over which is like mm-hmm. i hear the words you're saying i don't know what you're talking about so yeah what is fractional support yes
1: so there are fractional uh obviously fractional fundraisers there's fractional uh, chief marketing officers there's fractional chief financial officers The idea with fractional is that you are getting a fraction of someone's time um, at a fraction of the cost if you were paying them full time, um, but it allows you to hire up. It allows you to find someone who has the level of expertise um, and experience and efficiency that is required to really move the needle for your organization. If you are getting someone with experience, like if I can write a fundraising letter in like an hour, and it might take a junior fundraiser a week, right? Like and you would have to edit
0: it and it's not exactly right. It's again. probably
1: yeah. not great, or they're probably learning yeah. again those like large size fits all, and or copying some some organization mm-hmm. overcomplicate things. So we a fractional fundraiser, that fractional model allows you to access that highly experienced um, strategic perspective, who will also, in some ways, act like an employee. So they are more like you are hiring than other types of consulting where you're like, you know, you're not hiring. And, you know, according to all the government stuff, like it's very much not a hire. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're going to put on like an employee hat and think about themselves and engage with your organization more like an employee than traditional consulting does.
0: So there are two things that I want to lift up about what you're saying that I think are really important for listeners to just sort of zone in on. So the first is hiring up, right? Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of trainings on hiring for growth. And you and I both know when you have a growing nonprofit that's small and wants to be bigger, Hiring is tough, right? Sometimes you're Mm -hmm. hiring for capacity before you have funding, et cetera. So, people's instinct for financial reasons is not just in fundraising, it's to hire at the low end of a workflow, right? Executors. Yeah. And
1: also, like our sector, the scarcity mindset. We Absolutely. don't want to we want to spend not just the low end of the skill set but what's the, the most the I can get for budget? the least amount of money
0: exactly <laughs> exactly and you know as a nonprofit leader that's growing an organization that is like the best equation for overwhelm mm-hmm. right you will have 10 people on your team that all report to you that don't actually have right all the reasons yeah so i always recommend hire as high up in the workflow as you can and what I love about this movement towards fractional support in marketing in fundraising and technology and finance is that it allows people to do that without feeling the pinch of having to take on a full-time salary with benefits yeah. for more hours than they need. Yeah.
1: And also um, most executive directors are craving less work and less responsibility. Yes. They want to yes. offload And what I've observed over my 20 plus years of fundraising (laughs) is that, you know, when you're building staff and you're hiring those, um, inexperienced or like cheapest labor possible, it actually adds to your stress. It adds to the work you have to do to manage people, to, um, have them perform at a high level. Like, and it's, you know, like rolling the dice, you might find someone who's amazing and can grow quickly, um, like a stretch role, but for the most part, that hasn't been what I've observed. And we're like really bad at investing in professional
0: development for those people. So, well, and that's a cost too, right? Yeah, is bringing yeah. people in more junior and, and growing them. Yeah. Um, which is the second mm. thing I want to highlight about expertise, yes. right? You're mm. really highlighting there's the sort of higher up in the workflow for ownership, not execution. Yeah. And yeah. then there's thought partnership. Oh. Right, and yeah. it sounds like what you're describing with a fractional fundraiser isn't. It's not just not a junior person. It's not just this sort of ex- wholly external to the organization consultant. It's it's like having a development director, yeah, that works for you part time. Is that sort exactly. of how, exactly exactly
1: yeah. exactly? And but when I would say the benefit or sort of unique relationship that you have as a thought partner is like we're gonna tell you when you're wrong. And this goes back to one of the first things I said around, um, fundraising being the most misunderstood function in an organization. Most of the time you're wrong. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I say that with love. I'm going to let you be the one to say
0: that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So many growing organizations, small organizations, they don't have a history of fundraising. And like I said, it's not you generally people in society don't understand it. And so when we look at things like Charity Water and we're like, we need to copy that. We need a million dollar gala. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're wrong. I can tell you right now you're wrong. And so you actually really need someone who is going to bring that strategic thought to say, most of the time what's effective for small organizations is like steady tried and true, nothing yes. too in- inventive. It's it's just yeah. doing the work consistently. Building and, the relationships,
0: yeah. building out the pipelines. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So yeah. you need, a, like, I can tell you from my experience, I always tell this story of when I was, it was my first fundraising job at a small women's shelter and uh, we were running a capital campaign, uh, which I was like, what the hell's a capital campaign? <laughs> but That's I figured so scary. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, And my board was like, oh, my God, Oprah would be so interested in this. We need to write a letter to Oprah. And I was like, I was too junior and inexperienced and to be able to say anything. But of course, I'll do that. And I did. And we never heard back. But I tell this story when I speak at conferences and in (laughs) other places. And everyone has their Oprah story. Oh yeah. Every organization that's working with someone who's inexperienced is always pulling that person in all the wrong directions. So, it is so a here's big some problem.
0: My Oprah story. story. So I I of course, of course I've always been in nonprofits as you know and my first job after law and grad school was at an organization here in New York City. An amazing organization does great work, really good at fundraising. And, and (laughs) the baby second year I was there, we were preparing for our gala and the board got it in their minds, their collective minds that we had to get Sarah Jessica Parker (laughs) that her experience. So it was an anti-poverty organization. She was very vocal. She was very popular at the time, very vocal about growing up in poverty and supporting anti-poverty organizations. And they were like, Hey, she'd love us. We know that we love her. It's a great fit. Mm -hmm. Who do we know that knows Sarah Jessica Parker? And they probably spent like nine months mm-hmm. on that strategy. We did yeah. not get Sarah Jessica Parker to come to our gala. Yeah, yeah. and I just remember being like, "That is not I, I, what I took away from that." Because I didn't know a lot about fundraising. Is Fundraising is really hard because in order to do it well, you need Sarah Jessica Parker's and Oprah's. And that yeah. doesn't work, right? Like that was my takeaway.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, generally we reinforce that. Like every organization is different. And that's again yeah. where the strategic lens comes in. So, as a, you know, it doesn't mean that there's never going to be a time when you want to ask Sarah Jessica Park Sarah Jessica right. Parker for a gift, but you that's have right. to understand how what's strategically aligned with your organization one of the organizations we work with um is a film festival here in Toronto um and they had an opportunity to ask Sandra o oh for a gift Sandra O oh is uh, a yeah. Canadian uh obviously like uh incredibly successful and there were relationships and they were mm-hmm. successful and it mm-hmm. made sense this was a um a it's the organization is called Real Asian Film Festival. Um, So it's not that I'm saying there's never an opportunity for that kind of gift, or there's never a time and place for a gala or something like that. You Mm -hmm. have to be able to evaluate what assets your organization has to work with and what's going to make the most sense for you.
0: And I think getting back to the frame of our conversation, mm-hmm. that's where having mm-hmm. that high level of expertise and strategic thought partnership on your team around development yeah. comes in, right? As yeah. you are looking to grow, having someone on your team where that is their zone of genius yeah, and can say, we should do this, not that. We should allocate resources here and get the highest return on investment. That's when that yeah. becomes really important. So sticking with the this sort of lane of how do you work with these people? Mm-hmm. How do you know organizationally if you're ready? What do you need to have in place to really be prepared to work successfully with a fractional fundraiser?
1: Yeah. So I would say some fundraising. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to have some revenue coming into your organization. um, Some sort of sense of opportunity around that. Um, We are not miracle workers. So it's not (laughs) that we can... You know, shake trees and make money. Um, the and with the same is true if you're hiring a staff person, like Mm -hmm. you have to have something for them to come into, uh, Mm -hmm. community to leverage, relationships to nurture. I would say if you have no donors, no revenue, uh
0: like no fundraising infrastructure, no fundraising, yeah,
1: then. Try do a little bit to build up, mm-hmm. but it's it's not that it won't work. It's just going to take longer to see results. And the reality yeah. is, we're impatient as a sector and <laughs> organizations. Yeah. The first question they ask is, "What's my ROI?" So yes. if you want to yes. see a faster ROI, you should have a little bit of fundraising in place. But I'm like honestly, like fifty thousand a year, a hundred and fifty thousand a year. It doesn't have to be crazy, but zero <laughs> is probably too early. Yeah, to start. you're not
0: ready yeah
1: yeah um and you have to see the value of fundraising right you have to have that you have to be hungry for the growth um and be willing to trust the expertise of someone not just hiring um someone who is uh who is just coming in to do what you tell them to do right so you have to be willing to trust that expertise um and aside and and be open-minded because they're going to figure out what the right strategy is if you come in saying okay i want you to do corporate fundraising i would say like why why are you making that assumption uh so respecting the strategic um lens that that someone has a lot of our fractional fundraisers even do things like Built like set up the database and you know, do grant tracking and things like that. So, some of the other
0: infrastructure you don't have to have in place at all. Um, and we so that that. was actually, yeah, that was actually my next question, which is then sort of conversely, what am I looking for? Like, do all Mm -hmm. functional fundraisers do all things, right? When we talked about agencies, you talked about almost um, like vertical specificity, right? So, they will do a campaign or, or grant writing. If I hire a fractional fundraiser, can my expectation be that if our strategy calls for corporate giving, that person will be able to help us build that out? Or am I looking for buckets of expertise?
1: So the way I teach fractional fundraisers to fundraisers and the people I recruit to be part of our network are generalists. They will be able to walk in and do all the things. But I can't say that anyone who calls themselves a fractional fundraiser necessarily is that. But- if if they're through me then yes they're general I mean
0: one way that i have articulated the difference between say, a fundraising consultant and a fundraising mm-hmm. fra- and a fractional fundraiser is along that specificity mm-hmm. generalization sort of lens or spectrum yes. that yeah if i want someone to do grant writing i hire a grant writing consultant if i want yeah. someone to be the strategist the thought partner the executor to to build out my development workflow team it's a fractional fundraiser it's more like a development director
1: yeah that's and, um yeah yeah i would say there are some larger more established organizations that might want more specialized help in this model but for smaller organizations that are we, growing most of the time you don't even have the expertise to understand where to focus the resources yeah. so you need that generalist um at that point
0: amazing so we've talked about how to be ready what to look for last sort of question on this. I have this amazing unicorn on my team, and they're great. Are they really like a team member, right? How do I work mm. with this person? Yeah. Is it more like working with a consultant? Do I bring them to staff meetings? How do I support them as yeah. a as a pseudo member of my team? Mm-hmm. So it depends. At
1: minimum, I suggest organizations meet with or like the fractional fundraiser meet with the organization weekly. Um, And sometimes that's enough. And I used to have a client we would do half an hour every week and that was plenty, but, you know, we had a onsite activation with one of their corporate partners. And so we'd show up for that in person. We went for a tour of the, the organization when we started and got onboarded Um, some organizations uh, it makes a lot of sense to be at team meetings, but not necessarily every one. So it is very dependent on the organization and how they operate. Um, but at minimum, a weekly meeting with the executive director um, and the rest. Is Which is very the same customised. for
0: a development director. Yeah. I mean, that's how you'd work yeah. with a development director. You'd meet weekly, sometimes yeah. with program teams, sometimes with ops, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is just so exactly what I wanted for this conversation. You have such a breadth and depth of information and knowledge about this. I know you also have a book. I would love for you to share the name of your book, your mm-hmm. websites, all of the ways that people can learn more about your Fractional Fundraising Academy and your Fractional Fundraising Network and anything else you think people should know to build on what we've talked about.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I'll start with the book. Um, I wrote a book for reluctant fundraisers. It's called Raise It, the Reluctant Fundraiser's Guide to Raising Money Without Selling Your Soul. So if you are like, uh I really don't awesome want fundraise. title. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you're like, this is a necessary evil, I don't want to fundraise, but you know, whatever, the book is for you. You can go to raiseitbook.com um, or find it on Amazon or uh some online independent uh book retailers. Then if you, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, could I be a fractional fundraiser? You can definitely take my quiz. In fact, if you're like, oh, maybe I should consult generally speaking, the quiz can help you find the right consulting model for you. Now that URL is a little more complicated. So I think we should just include it in the chat because it is an affiliate link for our program, the Fractional Fundraiser Academy um, or it in the show notes. If you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I need a fractional fundraiser. Oh, yeah. You can can go to findafractionalfundraiser.com or thegoodpartnership.com and uh, you can learn more about how our network works. They're not employees of mine. They're all independent consultants, but I work with them very closely and support them. And um, we have... Where There will be uh, a lot more capacity in the coming months around, because right now everyone's almost fully booked, um, but uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of people who are available to work with organizations.
0: Amazing. And are you primarily on LinkedIn or Instagram?
1: LinkedIn, for sure. Cindy Wagman. I have a, Perfect. like a the Good Partnership has a LinkedIn account, but honestly, Cindy Wagman
0: amazing perfect cindy wagman follow her on linkedin cindy it is always so much fun talking to you this was a great conversation thank you you for for being here today
1: thank you so much for having me
0: thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the nonprofit mastermind podcast if you liked this podcast i would also love for you to subscribe on apple Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you think that what we talk about here could benefit another leader in your life please share with your friends finally if you'd like more leadership in your life you can sign up for my weekly five-minute read leadership forward 321 newsletter I send articles resources and inspiration every week curated around a leadership theme to help you lead your nonprofit better you can sign up at richiebabbage.com backslash leadership forward 321. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind.